in chapter, chapter 9, um, maybe part of the history that you might not be as familiar with. Um, I just wanted to kind of set the, the stage a little bit before we read the passage. And um, like I said, the rain is a little bit helpful for that. But if you w- uh, would just think about it uh, and what's going on at this, at this moment. Um, you know, where we are in this point in history is that Noah and his family have just gotten off of the ark. And like, I loved Patrick's description of it last week. Like, just imagine this giant wooden box that they were enclosed in with all of the animals through almost a year of his life. They've been inside of this uh, box. And so they get off. Um, Noah offers a sac- builds an altar, offers, offers a sacrifice to the Lord, um, prays to him, you know, for their deliverance. And, um, and now we come to a very interesting part of the story um, where Noah has planted a vineyard, um, likely part of his uh, trade, you would say, I guess, before he became a carpenter. Um, you know, he plants a vineyard and it is now um, ripe and he has been harvested and now they're going to partake of it. So that's kind of where we are in, in the story right now. So look, at, look with me in uh, Genesis 9 and we're going to start in verse 18. The sons of Noah who went forth from the ark were Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Ham was the father of Canaan. These three were the sons of Noah, and from these, the people of the whole earth were dispersed. Noah began to be a man of the soil, and he planted a vineyard. He drank of the wine and became drunk and lay uncovered in his tent. And Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brothers outside. Then Shem and Japheth took a garment, laid it on both their shoulders, and walked backward and covered the nakedness of their father. Their faces were turned backward, and they did not see their father's nakedness. When Noah awoke from his wine and knew what his youngest son had done to him, he said, Cursed be Canaan, a servant of servants shall he be to his brothers. He also said, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Shem, and let Canaan be his servant. May God enlarge Japheth, and let him dwell in the tents of Shem, and let Canaan be his servant. After the flood... Noah lived 350 years. All the days of Noah were 950 years, and he died. Wow, right? This is a crazy passage of Scripture. But take, take notice, like really, like this is important, that you understand that this is part of history. As amazing as this, as this is, this is part of history. This is part of our story that we have... A literal moment in time where this family is preserved and they have come out of the ark and God has said to them, be fruitful, multiply from you. I am going to cover the earth, right? And so I want us to to dig into it today um, and just what we can, what can we take from this uh, for ourselves? And, you know, the first thing that stood out to me was the part of that we, they went forth from the ark. Um, think about Noah and his family. You know, we already know that Canaan has been born. There are, there are children coming to, their, to, his, to his sons. And so 
What do you think they thought when they saw Shem walk by? Their Uncle Shem for everyone. Um, you know, they was like, hey, just, just a reminder, that's, that's one of the guys that was on the ark. Like, that is, that is his identity, right? He was one of the ones that was preserved on the ark. Remember, they, this is a catastrophic, monumental event in history. There are signs of it all around them. And here's this man who lived through it. That is his identity, right? And, you know, as, as, as I was thinking about that, you know, the, uh, the quick correlation there is our own identity as well. Um, you know, when you think about that, how our identity should be rooted in God's deliverance. That's a key word today, if you want to think about it, is deliverance. You know, they were clearly, we have a literal picture of man being delivered by God and preserved. And our, we have also, those of us who have trusted in Christ, we have also been delivered. That is, that is our identity. Um, you know, and what does it mean? This is, this is where we're going with this. What does it mean then, if that is our identity, as those who have been delivered, what does it mean to live as one who has been delivered? How should that inform us and in how we live? And actually, the, this point in history is not a good example of that. It is a moment where they have forgotten their identity. Um, I had to look it up. I'm not very well versed in vineyards, but it takes about uh, three years or so to plant and then to, for the grapes to mature. And then it can take up to two more years for the, the wine to be ready uh, to drink. That is a very short amount of time if you think about it. Um, most of us can remember what was going on in our lives five years ago, right? And so it is a very short amount of time from something that has never happened and will never happen again, that monumental of an event. And here we have a picture of them forgetting and no longer identifying with that moment in time. Um, for us, our reflection should be, how am I carrying with me my identity as one who's been delivered? In Galatians 1, 3 through 5, it says, "Grace." To, uh, Paul is writing the church at Galatia. He says, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the pr present evil age according to the will of God, and our God and Father. So their identity as the church was those that were delivered, just as Noah and his family had been delivered. And, you know, uh, but look at what happens here with Noah and his family. Um, first, let me, let's uh, think about this next part here where it says, it says, from these, the people of the whole earth were dispersed. That is a continual theme that we have all through Genesis and really all through Scripture. Um, you know, earlier in the passage in Genesis, God had charged or commanded Noah and his family he says be fruitful and multiply increase greatly on the earth it is you know today is oddly titled second Adam and you know the reason for that is that Noah you can see how it is a reoccurrence in that the same way that 
God charged Adam and Eve to be fruitful and multiply. Here we have a new start, and he is giving the same charge to Noah. But what is, the, what is it really the meaning? And this is the, another part of our identity, is that, um, you know, that this is a, a recreation, right? And look, in Leviticus 26.12, if you want to make note of it, uh, God says, and I will walk among you, and will be your God, and you shall be my people. In this charge to be fruitful and multiply, to be, it is a charge to be his people. And he says, I will be your God. Right? Um, earlier in the same passage of Le- Leviticus, he says, I will turn to you and make you fruitful and multiply you and will confirm my covenant with you. I am the Lord. So when it talks about that these are people from whom all the earth dispersed, you got to realize that God's desire is consistent in this and that his desire is you will be my people and I will be the Lord. Um, just a, a side note here. Why wasn't there a moment of utopia? Right? Think about that for a second. We have a new start. In, earlier in Genesis it says that the wicked were wiped away from the earth. And yet, here, the first thing we're going to read is about a man getting drunk, getting naked in his tent, and his son coming in and acting shamefully toward him. So soon after this new start. And, and why is that? Well, Jesus says in Matthew 15, 19, it says, Out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery. Out of the heart. So, we see that even though Noah is preserved, he is a man just like us. And he inherited the sin of Adam, and we have been born into sin just as Noah has. Um, But, and it is this man to whom God is saying that you will be my people and I will be your God. God is the one who delivered Noah and his family. It was God who delivered him. And it is in Christ that we have been delivered for that, for that purpose. Um, and how do we know that this continues to be the Lord's desire for us? Well, Jesus said to his disciples, John 14, 23, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Think of that promise, that amazing promise that when God says, and we read it, and man, it sounds, I want, I desire it when I read in Genesis that, that God walked with them in the cool of the day. But our, we are promised that he will come and make his home with us. Um, and that desire, is, it continues. But the point that we're get, we're, as we're moving to this next part of the passage is we, we forget. We do not live as those who've been delivered. We forget that God's desire is to be our Father. We forget that He desires us, as we read earlier, for His own possession. Colossians 1.13 says, Paul says to the church there at Colossae, he says, He has delivered us from the domain of darkness. But not just that, He has transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son, in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. Yet, in the midst of this, 
we see in this passage our, our brokenness. Um, I want to pause again for a second here and think about uh, the, the Bible for a second, right? Um, this, this book that we have, you know, this is part that we, have, we are reading is from Moses that we believe is inspired, that he has written down for us. And here it is chosen for him to include this story about Noah, about this, the fallenness, the brokenness of man. And, you know, earlier we had read that Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation, that Noah walked with God. Yet here it is recorded for us in Scripture, his moment of shame. And, you know, it was just a, a great um, encouragement to me, I guess you could say, that God's word is real, right? This is, this is real. This is not a story. This is history of God at work in man. It shows the, the flaws, leaves us sometimes confused. His ways are not our own. Sometimes we don't understand. But here it is for us to see that, that God is at work in man, even in man's brokenness. Um, it's not a storybook of great men and women for us to try to emulate. All these you know, great people that have done great things. This is a story of God redeeming man. This is a story of good news. What's the good news? I am broken, yet through Christ I have been delivered. That is the good news. And in Noah, you know, we're reading about this moment. And it should be an encouragement that God loved Noah. And God will deliver us as well. Um, but look, look back in the passage there. It says, uh, He drank of the wine and became drunk and lay uncovered in his tent. You know, uh, the commentator, Matthew Henry, posits, he, he, you know, he imagines that this is a feast. Um, likely, this, that's normal for it to coincide with the harvest of the vineyard. And so, it's likely that he has taken this moment, they've been delivered, gathers his family to himself. You know, let us have a feast, let us commemorate that, um, the blessing that we have experienced and the increase in my vineyard. Um, but whether that's true or not, whether it's part of the feast or not, uh, he drank and drank and drank so much that he gets drunk and winds up passed out naked in his tent. You know, Proverbs 21 says, wine is a mocker, strong drink is a brawler, and whoever is laid astray is not wise. So, you know, we just said that it's out of a man's heart that precede evil thoughts. And so it is not necessarily the sin that he, the, the substance is not the sin, right? It is not something that comes from the outside of man that goes in that makes him unclean. It is says that, um, he said that whoever is led astray by it is not wise. And so let's think about that for a second. Um, what is happening is when you take a created thing, you take a bottle in your hand, and you try to make it something that it is not, right? And that doesn't have to, this is, this is one element 
And it could be anything. It could be a person. You know, it could be a significant other. Um, it could be a, uh, a, a career aspiration. Um, it could be entertainment. It's something, and you, so you take that bottle and try to make it something that will satisfy you. But it does not satisfy, so you have to take more of it. And you take more and more. Um, and when and we, and specifically here, we are inviting in a danger into our lives when we are willing to let something else take over and control us. You know, wine is a mocker. It took over and it laid Noah literally bare, laid him bare. You know, like, and, and it was no, Noah was no longer um, in control. And, you know, uh, and that is, how true is that of us? And how true is that when we forget our identity? That when we forget that we are, are delivered and that God is the one who's satisfied, how often do I go and seek out something else to take his place? You know, that, that is the story of Romans 1, when we worship the created things versus the creator, right? And, and so that is, that, that is where we find Noah. And, um, you know, but this occasion is actually more about Noah's sons than it is about Noah himself. Um, on down, we read that Ham saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brothers. That was his response. Um, you know, while Noah is in a moment of excess, a moment of shame, um, here is one who should have been honored and one who should walk upright, is in a moment of dishonor and prostration. Um, Ham encounters his father and he publicizes his father's sin. Um, he goes out to his brothers, he seeks them out outside the tent and repeats to them what he has seen in his father. Um, and, you know, this is a question, I think a great question for us to discuss this week in our uh, MCs is, what do these moments, when we choose to publicize someone else's sin, what does it say about our hearts? What does it say about our hearts when we choose to publicize someone else's sins, someone else's moment of disgrace or of failure? Um, and Ham's heart here further reveals the brokenness of our hearts, right? I am Ham and you are Ham, right? Um, and so our sinfulness or our lack of identity, our lack of wisdom here in not rooting our identity in being delivered, what does it lead to? What ty what, how does it lead to sin? Well, one, it, leads, uh, it can lead to celebrate sin. Um, Romans one thirty two says, Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. Right? Um, when we celebrate, when I celebrate sin, or when I, um, I, what I'm saying is, hey, join me. <laughs> join me in my sin. Make me feel better about myself. You know, justify me and what I'm doing. Uh, you know, strengthen numbers. And, you know, when we celebrate sin, that is a disassociation with 
our identity and and who we are in Christ. It also leads us to publicize sin. And, you know, the the in the uh, what the motivation behind this is maliciousness. Right. And so we talk of other sin. I talk of other sin when I'm seeking to build myself up by tearing someone else down. Right. I or when I feel threatened When an idol that I have, something that I seek to satisfy me, is being threatened, then I attack. And so, when that is our heart, when our identity is not rooted in our deliverance, that I will publicize my brother, my sister's sin, in order to protect myself, right? Or it can cause us to isolate sinners. Um. So when we forget who we are, um, when our heart is not fixed on grace, then we seize the chance to think more highly of ourselves, right? Um, when, a, when a brother stumbles, instead of compassion, we respond in pride, right? Because if I am seeking out my identity elsewhere, then I am looking to build myself up. I'm looking to take pride in these things. And so when someone stumbles... Here's an opportunity to look better myself, right? And so what do we do? We isolate them, right? One, because if I'm setting up myself and my uh, identity in how good I am, then I don't want to be near someone who may be stumbling in a way that I find embarrassing, right? And so I separate myself, right? And all of these things are at a heart of, that is not remembering and calling back the good news of the gospel of the cross um so let's look at that and you know a little bit deeper about what's behind this well in romans 1 and i'm uh paraphrasing here miss what we've been saying is misplaced worship leads to a darkened heart and you know when we think about our identity our worship reflects our identity and I don't know about you, but what I worship shifts often, right? When I am not tied in and I am not remembering. And so our worship reflects our identity and misplaced worship leads to a darkened heart. Um, but new, a renewed identity, you know, just like Romans 12, 1 says, when we renew our mind, it leads to a different response. And, you know, the, the, the ark should highlight similarly to what the cross highlights even more, and that is the depth of our sin. Look what it took for us to be delivered. It took the Son of God dying on the cross, the weight of God's glory. Um, My son Everett and I are reading uh, The Voyage of the Don Treader by C.S. Lewis. Just got through the part where they go through a storm and it's just describing the height of the waves that he's going through the just constant wetness and I was like man I haven't considered that like that would be terrible I hope they were dry in the ark but you know the uh but the weight the weight of God's glory should is highlighted in the ark in the cross and then lastly the fullness of his grace and mercy um you know so often I am Ham, right? I am, I am Noah in these things. I'm setting my identity elsewhere. Or I am seeking um, my 
my significance elsewhere. And it, if not for God's grace and mercy, right, I would, have this, I would not have this new identity. So let's look at the, the uh, response of Ham's brothers. It says, um, then Shem and Japheth took a garment and they laid it on both their shoulders and walked backward and covered the nakedness of their father. So look at the difference. I mean, just the contrast here. Ham sees the nakedness of his father, leaves his father, goes out the tent, finds his brothers, and publicizes his father's sins. Whereas brothers take a, 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 a blanket, hang it on their shoulders, and don't even face him. They walk backwards into the tent and cover their father. 1 Peter 4.8 says, Above all, Keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. You know, as you think about in the first part, we've been talking about deliverance, and now we're talking about uh, covering. Um, Shem and Japheth loved their father graciously. Their response reflects an understanding of their own brokenness and graciousness of their heavenly father. You know, just in First Peter as well, earlier... Peter uh, called all the church, he said, Be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. For this is a gracious thing when mindful of God, one endures sorrow while suffering unjustly. This probably was sorrowful for um, Shem and Japheth. But in this moment when Noah wasn't deserving, Shem and Japheth, mindful of God, loved him graciously and covered him. Um, and this probably is the big application, um, I would say, for the day. Uh, Galatians 6.1, it says, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Look at, the, look at that picture there. That how, what should our response be? We should restore graciously why because God has been gracious to us you know he says keep watch on yourself what does he say in there it's like hey that's you too you could easily be there and you will likely could wind up there right you're no different you are under grace so give grace and you know and it's, it's not talking about um, dismissing sin here it's not talking about, um, you know, don't, don't worry about it. it. It is, it's acknowledging we can't restore, right, without acknowledging our need for Christ. And that's why, that's why it is a restoration. We often talk in our um, missional communities about how can we be real friends to one another. And oftentimes, when I am low, you know, like Will and I will get lunch a lot of times, Sometimes I'll say things to him trying to get back a response. Like, you know, I, I'm, you know, we work together and it's like I'll have to teach a class or something. And I want him to say back to me, hey, you're going to do great. You know, like that's kind of what I want. But what we need from one another as friends is we need the truth of the gospel. It's like, hey, God is gracious to you. You can, you can do your best without fear because God is gracious. You know, an empty promise is, hey, you're going to do great. That's an empty, because you don't know if I'm going to do good or not, right? <laughs> Maybe not. Um, you know, so we should speak the truth is what I'm saying to one another. Um, so as those under grace, 
delivered from sin, transferred to the kingdom, we don't dismiss sin, we don't maliciously publicize sin, we don't abandon the sinner, we should seek to restore in gentleness and love. That's who we are. Now, I didn't want to just skip over this part because I find it a little bit baffling, the curse part. Okay, so let's talk about that just for a second. Um, It says that cursed be Canaan. Wait, stop. Canaan wasn't in there. (laughs) He wasn't in the tent, right? It was Ham. This is his son that is being cursed, right? So that is a little bit, you know, threw me for a loop. loop. But let me go to a passage, Exodus 20, verse 5. Very familiar passage. This is the Ten Commandments um, when... uh, God is is speaking, and he says, I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commands. The consequences, the curse of sin is generational, repercussive, um, and that's enough for us to understand this, you know, God is just to do so. So let's take from this the loftiness of his holiness and his justice and the amazingness of his grace and steadfast love, right? Because remember, we just said that who, how are we any different? We were all, we are all born into sin. Our Hearts is where evilness, evil comes from, right? And so his steadfast love is grace towards us. And so in the, in the curse, you know, some say that um, Noah cursed Canaan uh, because his sons had just been blessed by God. And he puts the curse forward to Canaan. Some say that Canaan and Ham were of the cut of the same cloth and were not walking in the way of the Lord um, as Shem because we see later on, let's look at the part for Shem. What does he say? He doesn't bless Shem. He said, blessed be the Lord, the God of Shem. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Shem. This reminds us uh, that God's desire is to be our God and for us to be his people. It points to the source of any goodness in us, right? That what goodness is there apart from God's work in us? And so Noah offers praise to the Lord and so, do, and in doing so, he points to the blessing that Shem is under. Um, so, in applying this for us as a church, first thing is, uh, we are a community of those that have been delivered. So, we should live as a community of those who have been delivered. This is um, not just for yourself, Right? This, is, this has full application to how we walk together. And so let's be, um, you know, l- let's love one another, right? Let's be close enough to one another that we can walk together, that we can restore when one of us needs restoring. Um, you know, I can think the mark of community the what makes me attracted to and drawn to true Christian community is forgiveness, right? Forgiveness should be the mark of our community. 
one of the greatest marks of our community. When we are wronged to graciously forgive others, it should be our mark. Our mark is not that we are uh, upright and clean all the time, that we do think everything right. Um, I coached basketball. I coached basketball yesterday. I had to apologize to the ref after my first game of three that day. Um, and, you know, I, my, I would hope that, and that's why, you know, when I invite anyone into my life, I invite that person into community. Because if you want to understand who I am, you must understand that I'm a part of a community of those who have been delivered, that love as we have been loved, that forgive as we have been forgiven, right? And so our application is to live as those that have been delivered. Now, if that is not you, right? If that is not what you would say of yourself, that you have yet to experience that deliverance, um, you know, my, uh, my question for you, one, my affirmation is that you, you are no different than us. We were all in need of a Savior. We were all in need of be, to be delivered. No one survived apart from the ark. No one is saved apart from Christ on the cross. And so my question is, you know, why, why turn away or why do you wait? Um, our sin has separated us from the love of the Lord, and, and yet mercifully he has provided a way to return. Acts 3.19 says, Repent, therefore, and turn back, that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. The times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Yet we hold on to these things that we think are a better bet to satisfy us. And to give us what we want. And I just encourage you today that our Savior is, a, is, is good. And He is loving and He is gracious. You come to Him as a sinner, not one that cleans yourself up first. Right? Wouldn't we all attest to that? You know, that who are we? We are those that have been delivered. Alright, let's pray. Father, we thank You for Your deliverance of us in the in the cross in your son god i pray that your love would lord that we would love one another as you have loved us father god that you would glorify your son that you would show the height of your love how great is this love that you have lavished on us that we should be called the children of god and father I pray, God, for myself, for my brothers and sisters, God, that we would walk as those that have been delivered in, in thankfulness. God, that we would walk by your Holy Spirit that you have filled us with, Lord, that we would use the gifts that you have given us, God, not to make much of ourselves, but to build one another up. God, that we would use our gift of generosity to give generously, that we would use our gift of hospitality to welcome one another, that we would pray for one another, that we would uh, encourage one another, Lord. God, thank you for your goodness towards us. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.